0: before you sit down, how can we sing that song or listen to that song and not respond in some way? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for sharing that song today. Because if we ever needed a way maker, it's now, amen? So if you're here this morning, whether you're out in the lawn overflow area listening to this or whether you're in this building or whether you're listening on live stream, so this is just what God was speaking to my spirit, because I was thinking about when the centurion came to Jesus. And he had the servant that needed to be healed, and Jesus said, I'll come to your house. And he's like, you don't need to do that. I'm a man of authority, and I can give orders, and it's done. And I believe you're a man of authority, and you just say the word, and it'll be done. So in all this social distancing that we're doing in this room right now, you don't need to touch from me. You don't need to touch from... Anyone but Jesus. And he can heal through distance, he can make a way through distance. So right now, he knows your heart. If you just need God to make a way in your life for something, I don't know what it is, he does, just raise your hand. Just just raise your hand, lift it up high, that's all. And if you don't, it's okay, this isn't for show. If you're out in the lawn, if you're in your home listening or at work or wherever, just hold up your hand for a moment because God sees it, okay? And I just wanna pray for you. For Jesus, take such a little act of faith to lift a hand if we have a hand to lift. And if we don't even have a hand to lift or we're paralyzed and we can't do that, then Lord, we can lift our our soul to you. But Lord, you see the hands that are lifted and you know our heart's desire. And Lord, everybody that's lifted a hand, you know what they're needing right now. And you are the way maker, you're the miracle worker. And how can we be talking about your word and preaching about your word if we're not believing it? So Lord, by your power, make a way in every person's life for what they need right now. And we're gonna trust you that you'll do it in your way and in your time and sometimes it's not the way that we think and it's not the timing that we think. But just like you parted the Red Sea and they went through and just like the walls of Jericho fell and and they went in and on and on it goes time and time again. Just like you hanging on a cross didn't look like a way was being made and three days later you conquered death in the most tremendous way has ever been made. To have a way to you and a relationship with you that even death can't take away so lord jesus would you respond to our prayer now hear my prayer and respond by your holy spirit power and encourage us and empower us through this time in your name thank you thank you for making a way for us in your name amen all right you can be seated (laughs) so we've been talking for the last few weeks about Christ's Holy Spirit and what it means for Holy Spirit living. We've looked and focused on the characteristics of, of Holy Spirit, the, the fact that He is a counselor, He's our guide, He's a teacher, He's our advocate, all of those things. This morning, what I want us to focus on is to see Holy Spirit as enabler. Now, I know in psychological circles, that word enabler has a bad connotation. It it basically means somebody that allows somebody to continue some self-destructive behaviors that aren't good for them. But that's not how I'm using the word today, and that's not what I'm talking about today. Today, how I'm using the word enabler is one of the definitions. And uh, it is to give someone the authority or the ability to do something. And Christ's Holy Spirit absolutely gives us the authority and the ability to do something for God in the world today. Enabler means to make possible. And you know, there's a Bible verse that many people understand. With God, all things are possible. So God is an enabler, but an enabler in the good way. Not that we would continue self-destructive behaviors, but that we would be able to change, that we would have productive behaviors with our life. Jesus said this to his disciples. It's recorded in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus was constantly reminding us as his followers that the power that we have available to us comes from God our creator. He absolutely loves us and he wants to help us to be able to accomplish his will in the world, and to reach our full potential. And he wants you to know that no ability that you have is too small, no job is too big for us to accomplish together as we trust the empowerment of his Holy Spirit and then cooperate with him in the world. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I want you to think about this this morning. Number one, your life is a gift from God. You didn't do anything to be born. You just kind of had to show up and then learn how to respond to life. And so it is really with being born again, to be spiritually born again. You're putting your trust in Jesus and the work that he's done for you through his life, death, and resurrection. And he imparts his spirit into your soul, your spirit, giving you spiritual life. And we are just now simply learning how to respond to that, to receive that gift, and to learn how to live it out in the world. So there is a responsibility to it. But your unique personality that you were born with along with when you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, if you've done that, if you've trusted him as your Savior, invited him to come into your life, and asked him to help you to live in this world for him, the scriptures teach us, Jesus teaches, that his Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and begins to live. He indwells in there. And because of your unique background experiences, your personality type, and then the unique empowerment or enablement that the Holy Spirit gives you with these different abilities to do his work in the world, you are uniquely created and designed to reach people that I will never be able to reach or Pastor Eric or Adam or Trisha or any of our staff or a Sunday school teacher can't reach. You will be able to reach people for Christ and accomplish his will uh, and to represent Christ to people in a way that we can't. And that's why we need each other. I'm so glad that you're here today but I was confident that while we couldn't meet in this building, we say it all the time, this building is not the church. You are the church. So the church did not cease to exist. The church didn't go underground while this pandemic's been going on. We've been out there. We've been interacting with people, either on social media or getting groceries for people, neighbors, elderly, you know, people at risk, all that stuff. We've been working in hospitals. We've been working in retail stores and pharmacies and all those things, all this time. You and I are making a difference for Christ in the world. It's what he's called us to do, but it's good to come together to worship him together, to encourage one another, to fellowship, and then to get ready and re-energized and really kind of fed to get back out there again. But we need each other. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his inmost being, or her inmost being, out of their inmost being will flow rivers of living water. And in John Chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, it gives a little uh, commentary on what he meant by that. It says, by this, he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So as we think about the enabling of the Holy Spirit, one of the main things that we need to remember as followers of Jesus is that he enables us to live Righteously. Now, some people get a little worried, uh oh, where's he going with this? But just stay with me and let's think about this. We know that without God in the world and without Christ in our lives, there's unrighteousness. There's a lot of unrighteousness. But when you open your soul and your spirit to Christ and you're truly serious about it and you're asking Him to help you live for Him, His righteousness, because he is righteous and pure and holy, his righteousness comes into your life, and now there's something there that wasn't there before. And that's why even as a Christian, sometimes we struggle. In fact, often we struggle because we become more aware of stuff, oh my gosh, you know, I used to do this stuff and not think a thing about it, just hope I didn't get caught. Now it's like, ooh, I don't feel right doing this now. It doesn't seem like it's really the thing God wants me to do, and it may not be the best for me. That's a sign of this struggle within us between righteousness and unrighteousness. Because while we're in the world, we are surrounded by unrighteousness and it does affect us. But listen to what the Scripture says about righteousness. There's two kinds of righteousness that I'm going to mention this morning. But what I want to talk about first is God's righteousness and Christ's righteousness. So... Basically, I will say this, the two kinds of righteousness, uh, the way I look at it is there is God's righteousness, there's his standard, he's pure, pure and holy and righteous, the way that he operates, the way he sees us, and then there is the societal righteousness. So, societal righteousness can change. God's righteousness never changes. There is the big difference. God's righteousness never changes because his character never changes. That's why when we read in his word certain things that he teaches, principles that he teaches in his word, they're not going to change because they come from his righteous character, and he wants us to be informed of that so that we can recognize our unrighteousness and where we don't measure up. But what we do in the world is we take societal righteousness, what society and culture says is okay and right, and then we try to blanket that on everything, and it doesn't work that way. Societal righteousness changes all the time, and it depends on who you talk to. If you are a vegan or a vegetarian, and by the way, that's a healthy way to live, so don't take what I'm saying, oh, I can't believe he's criticizing. No, I'm just giving an example. A vegan or a vegetarian would say, that is awful that you're killing animals and slaughtering God's creatures and eating them. That's just disgusting and gross. That's totally unrighteous. So they would look at a righteous person as, well, be like me. Respect all life and and don't kill animals and don't eat them. Just eat vegetables. You see where I'm saying? See where I'm coming from? Some cultures say you got to dress a certain way. Other cultures say you got to do these certain things. All of these in that societal norm is what they look at as a person being righteous according to civil laws and, and all those things. And civil laws change. God's law doesn't change. So now knowing that, then how can we be right with God? Well, this is what the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit enabling us to live for righteousness according to God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Doesn't matter the society that you live in, doesn't matter your ethnicity, doesn't matter about your economic or social class or status. Everyone who trusts in Jesus, that's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God loved you enough he came into this world that he created, he lived among us, he showed us his power and glory, he showed us how to live, he gave his life on the cross, willingly, and the only reason he was crucified from our standpoint is because we didn't believe him. We didn't believe he was God, so we put him to death. Now, we didn't really put him to death because he gave his life, but he did die. But he was showing that he had power even over that and all of our unrighteous societal righteousness. He died, and then three days later, he rose again, came back to life, and he said, I'm showing you what true righteousness is. Believe me, trust in me. That's the gospel. I love you. I want you to come to me but you must be willing to yield your life to me and allow me to make changes in you. That's what relationship is. That's what relationship does. I counsel people all the time, and I'm not breaking any confidences here, but it's a common thing. In every relationship that is struggling, it's got to be a two-way street. It can't be one person saying, well, I expect you to do all this, but I'm not changing. I'm not doing a thing. That is not going to work out. So why in the world do we think that God works that way? Why do we think we can be in a relationship with God and tell God, well, God, I'm not going to change, but you do all this for me, but I'm living my life. You're fooling yourselves. You're deceitful. To be in a relationship with God means you're going to respond to him, and you want his spirit to be filled with you in your life. So that salvation is for everyone who believes, but you've got to be willing to lay aside your cultural stuff, your societal stuff, to say, God, I want you and your righteousness more than anything else, because that's what matters when this life is over. The Apostle Paul, there was division in his day when he wrote this, societal division it was between jewish people and those who were not jewish people or gentiles even in the church as people were coming to christ there were people who were jewish that said well we were here first and jesus was a jew so i don't really think he wants these other people these gentiles in his church and paul was saying are you kidding me that's why he died he died for these people he wants them to be part of the church but he wants us all to work together for god's righteousness And that's why the apostle Paul writes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, here's what I want you to hear, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So if you want to be in right standing with God, it means that you have to exercise faith in your life. Faith means putting what you believe into practice. Jesus said, he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus said, the one thing that you can do to do do the work of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent, talking about himself. So if you want to be righteous in God's sight, step number one is believe that Jesus is, is God in the flesh, he is the son of God, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And there's no amount of societal good and works that you can try to do and societal righteousness that you're going to try to live by that's going to make you right with God. The only thing that's going to make you right with God is believing and trusting in him and his righteousness and the righteousness of Christ, which was given to you and I when he died on the cross and conquered death and said, now put your trust in me, and that's what's going to make you right with me and with God. You're not convinced yet? Well, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. Listen to what the apostle Paul writes. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset set on what that nature desires. That's why society is all over the place. That's why we change laws about marriage and abortion and, and all those cultural hot-button issues that at one time in history was absolutely wrong, but now everybody celebrates it and it's like, hey, it's great and it's my right. And they think they're living righteously according to society. And if you disagree with them, then you're the one being unrighteous. See, that's how civil righteousness works. That's how societal righteousness works. It's changing all the time. God's righteousness never changes. The world is fading away. God will always be. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. This is why we're spending time teaching you about this from His Word, encouraging you by faith in Christ. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Hey, there's a pretty bold statement. You can't play games with God. You either got His Spirit in your life or you don't. Wake up. Because if you don't know if you got His Spirit in your life, And you're hearing me say this, he's giving you an invitation to say, open your life right now and invite me in. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But Christ is in you for those of us who have trusted Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. So you're wondering why I've got these items up here on the stage. And what I am going to do is I wanna take each of these items and and I want to use it to illustrate this concept of righteousness versus unrighteousness. And are we really making a difference in the world? So for those of you that are listening out on the lawn service, I know it may be hard to see the screen, of course you can watch this later online. But I wanna just describe a few things. And literally I was troubled this week when I saw all the riots and the looting and the destruction And, you know, everybody back and forth on this whole thing, and and it's troubling. And I'll just be honest with you. I was like, Lord, is your church? I mean, you know, there are more people out there protesting over what happened to George Floyd than sometimes what I see the church doing in the world to, 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 to be known and to be noticed in the world and to make a difference for you. So I'm gonna be a little vulnerable with you now and say, you know, there's times I think as followers of Jesus, we need to have the same kind of passion for Jesus that those protesters have for the Black Lives Matter movement, for the issue with George Floyd. Now, having said that, I want you to understand something. What those police officers did was wrong. Not only the one that uh, ended up ending George Floyd's life, but those that stood around and watched him. But I also want you to know this. I know police officers personally. I have some in my family. I've ridden with police officers as a chaplain for the Belprie Police Department. Not all police officers are bad because of a few bad apples. So we shouldn't be condemning our police force for what a few people did. That is just as wrong as when a pastor messes up or a Christian messes up, and then people blame every Christian and every pastor, they're all bad, no. So we need to learn to respect authority and we need to be supportive of authority because the police officers that I have ridden with are the ones that are going to be there to have your back when you need help. Do you want to do away with that? Okay, I'll get off that soapbox. And again, I know I'm speaking this as a white guy and I have no clue what my brothers and sisters in Christ in the black community have gone through. But I, but I have some friends who are of color and some more that I'm not even going to talk about. But the point is this. I get it that I don't get it. But still, right is right and wrong is wrong, whether I get it or not. God gets it. Okay, back to this thing. (laughs) This glass that I have before you, right now, let it represent the world as a whole, but also you and I as individuals. And again, I want to get back to what God spoke to me because as I was watching all this stuff on the news, and again, I only watch enough to stay up on it, and then I pray about it, and I got other things that I got to do for ministry and everything for the Lord. But I was troubled. I was like, Lord, are we really even making a difference in the world? You know, as Christians, I mean, my goodness, you know, here we are trying to follow the rules and wear masks and social distancing, and the protesters are out there on top of each other, and some wear masks, some don't, and they don't seem to be worried about spreading coronavirus. Why should we? Can I get an amen, or am I just preaching to the... Am I the only guy that's ever thought that? Okay, I I just wondered. You know, I'm used to preaching to a camera and not getting any feedback, but but you all are here today. So I'm like, Lord, are we making a difference? And literally, as I thought about this, what I'm about to show you is an image that God gave me in my mind. I felt God's Spirit impressing upon me and speaking to me. Because there's a concept that we understand. Oil and water don't mix. And we also understand that nature abhors a vacuum. So let's think about oil and water, and let's think about righteousness and unrighteousness. And today, for the sake of this illustration, I want you to think of water, this water in this pitcher that I have here. It's clear and pure. And we're going to think of that as God's righteousness. And then I've got some motor oil in this little jug and it's not just any motor oil, but it's motor oil that's been in the engine of my vehicle and it's gotten used and it's pretty disgusting. Now, the water represents righteousness, the oil represents unrighteousness. When God created the world, and placed Adam and Eve there and started everything, it was all good. It was all right. It was all pure. But then we know that sin started messing things up. Not only Adam and Eve sinned, but everybody after them, and it includes you and I and and everybody. And again, the result of what we're seeing all the protests about. All kinds of unrighteousness. So as I pour this motor oil now in the glass... This represents when sin started coming into the world, but I want you to also think about it in your own life. As you've allowed unrighteous thinking, unrighteous thought, unrighteous actions to come into your life, it's starting to make a mess. And we know, again, that oil and water don't mix, and we know that nature abhors a vacuum. So you see right now, there's, there's some space left in this glass and if i'm not putting righteousness in there it's getting filled up with the unrighteousness i'm gonna can you all see that if i put the light behind it can everybody kind of see that i know it's i know it's a little bit hard but can you see the difference okay yeah you can see it on the screen all right so again if you're not putting righteousness in your life unrighteousness is going to just sweep right in and this is what we see happening in the world now think about this as the world All of the unrighteousness, it just keeps coming and coming. And right now, this is what I was viewing the world with the riots and the pandemic and everything. And look, you can't see anything, can you, other than just the mess, right? Can I get an amen? you there? I mean, it's just overflowing. And that's how, I don't know about you, but that's how I feel sometimes. And I'm like, God, are you even there? Are we even making a difference but here's what I wanna show you. Just like oil and water don't mix, righteousness and unrighteousness don't mix. And though that looks like a mess right now, look what happens when I put a light to it. Can you begin to see what's happening? I think you can see it there on the screen. And we just let it, we're just gonna let that sit there a little bit because it, it looks like unrighteousness is dominating. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's what I'm trying to do today in this illustration. But the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they know them because they're spiritually discerned. If by chance there's somebody that's been listening to this live stream today and heard me say some of these things, and they don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in God, they're just saying that's a short, bald, white guy up there, doesn't know what he's talking about, he's a fool. And they'll go right on surfing the web and going to whatever they want to go to. And you know what? That's fine. That's what the scripture says is going to happen. But for those who have their mind on the spirit and the spirit in their life, then what I'm saying to you is going to resonate with you, not because I'm good, but because Christ's spirit is good and his righteousness right now is in me speaking out to you. At least that's what I'm trusting. I'm trusting in his righteousness. So again, I put my hand behind there And you can see the water never went anywhere. It's still there. It looks like the unrighteousness is dominating. But what's amazing is that unrighteousness couldn't penetrate the righteousness. It's still there. It's been there all along. And that's what the Lord was speaking to me. It's like, Mark, I'm not going anywhere. My righteousness stands in fact, there's a scripture verse in John chapter one that says that you know, God came into the world through his son Jesus and he was bringing the light of God into the world and the darkness couldn't overcome it. And so what we see is this, the darkness keeps trying to overcome the light but it can't get there. That light is still a foundation. Now, what do we do with this? Here's the next thing that God encouraged me in. When you continue to pray... When you continue to trust Christ, when you continue to do God's work in the world, when you continue to live by the Spirit, when you continue to allow yourself to be filled with His Holy Spirit, nature abhors a vacuum, and His Spirit is greater than the Spirit of the world. His righteousness is greater than the unrighteousness in the world. And look what happens what are you putting in your life do you keep wanting to dump the unrighteousness in there oh look at that that reminds me of riots oh look at that oh there's riots look at all those bubbles and all that darkness in there it looks like it looks like it's penetrating it's look it looks like it's getting rid of things but if you notice the volume at the top there's only a small amount of oil still at the top looks like it's dominating but the foundation is there the righteous foundation is there and you know what the thing about Christ's righteousness and Christ's spirit is, it just keeps coming. Out of their inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Are you allowing Christ's Holy Spirit to continue to penetrate your life? Because if you do, his spirit is greater than any unrighteousness. Put your trust in Christ. Learn to live by the power of of Christ let his light shine in your life and yeah I know we still have a sin nature that's kind of even symbolic there but Christ's righteousness is in us and he makes us acceptable to God we could trust in him so to wrap this up this morning I want to finish with just these spiritual abilities that God gives us and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week but in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 The Apostle Paul writes this, there are different, so the Holy Spirit enables us with abilities, special abilities to do things in the world for his righteousness and for his glory. 1 Corinthians 12 verse four, there are different spiritual gifts but the same spirit gives them. There are different ways of serving yet the same Lord is served. There are different types of work to do but the same God produces every gift in every person. The evidence of the spirit's presence is given to each person So every single one of you that have trusted Christ, he's given you a spiritual gift, a spiritual ability. He has enabled you to do something for his kingdom, for the common good, for the good of everyone. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom. The same Spirit gives another person the ability to speak with knowledge. To another person, the Spirit gives courageous faith. To another person, the same Spirit gives the ability to heal. Another can work miracles. Another can speak what God has revealed. Another can tell the difference between spirits. Another can speak in different kinds of languages. Another can interpret the languages. There is only one Spirit who does all these things by giving what God wants to each and every person. Even in the enabling of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts, we all see all three parts or all three dynamics of the the triune nature of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is one and he is gifting us in these ways so that we can make a difference in the world. And the Holy Spirit enables us in ways so that we can cooperate with each other and complement each other, not just talking verbally, complement, but complement in the way that we work together so that there can be harmony in the church. It goes on down a few more verses to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 says this Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And then Paul asks some rhetorical questions, and he is asking them with the obvious answer to these questions being no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all interpret? No. What? The Apostle Paul is helping us to understand is God does this so that we can learn to work together cooperatively to accomplish his will. He's all about teamwork. He's all about every person understanding that you have a particular role that only you can fill. So whether you're here in this building today listening to this message or whether you're listening at a home or wherever, we need you. If you're serious about God's Holy Spirit enabling and empowering, He has given you things to do. I want to give a shout out to our production team, to Curtis, the AVL team, our musicians. Uh, during this pandemic, we have had so many people... Yeah, go ahead. That's. <laughs> you know what is so interesting? The, the scripture says that sometimes the least parts of the body can become the most important. Paul mentions that in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm not, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm saying, as the technology was coming and we were used to gathering here and we started talking about live streaming, some people are like, well, is that really necessary? I mean, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money for that equipment. and Do we really need to do that? Because we can meet together. Well, guess what, during the pandemic, it was that little thing that some people questioned, do we really need this or not, that became the main thing. It became the most important as God's holy spirit was working in that team and in the teams of our staff and just everything that God does and working in your lives to support us and to support each other it's 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 made me have a heavy heart during these months of this pandemic i've conducted 5 funerals or graveside services during this time and it's not related to people who died of covid-19 It is people that died through things that happen in life. It's a part of life. But what was difficult for me and hard for me as a pastor is I couldn't minister in the way that I normally would do for those families. But what encouraged me was I saw you in the church caring for each other and those families and praying for them. And we still had people fixing food or offering food and just all of the things that we try to do to bring comfort and encouragement to families. And that's what I wanna close with this morning, is the Holy Spirit enables us in the midst of it all to have peace and harmony. The Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter four, verse one through five. As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I say this so often, Listen carefully to what it says because where God's spirit is, there is unity. God's spirit does not have disunity. He is unity because even in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one, one God, not three different gods. This is a concept that's hard for us to grasp, but even in the Godhead, we see uh, harmony and and working together, teamwork, and yet all is one because he is one. And that's what he wants us to do as his body in the church. So where the spirit of the Lord there is, there is unity, but then what happens is Satan comes in and he brings unrighteousness and he tries to bring disunity and he does this kind of thing. And so we, what we have to do... Oh, I ran out there. What we have to do is make sure we're working to keep the unity, keep praying for each other, keep listening to each other, keep encouraging each other, keep living righteousness, keep living by faith. You see what I'm saying? we got to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, or the, the, the thing that holds us together. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, in one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then what the enabling of the Holy Spirit also enables us to do is to reach maturity Spiritual maturity. In verses 11 through 13 of Ephesians four, Paul writes this, it was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I gotta finish with one last illustration And I wanted to take something that's very common to all of us. Now, this, uh, you can probably tell from a distance, but this is an oven mitt. And so, on its own, you could put it down and put a hot pot or a hot plate on it. It'll keep surfaces from getting burned, but it's not really empowered. But when I place my hand inside of it, look what it can do. (laughs) All of a a sudden... (laughs) All of a sudden, it becomes empowered to do all kinds of things that it couldn't do before my hand went in there. Think about that as the Holy Spirit in your life. When you open your soul, your spirit, his hand, his spirit comes in, he begins to enable you to do things that you couldn't do before. I've also got a few little kitchen utensils here. Julie said, Mark, do I need to explain to you what these things do? (laughs) But I do know these things. I cook a little bit. Uh, very little. But one thing I I do like to to make are eggs. So I know how to use a spatula. But I've got this spatula here. This spatula is specifically designed to be able to flip stuff in the skillet, turn things over, all of that. So it's good for scooping and flipping and scraping and all those things. A spatula is great for flipping an egg, but this is not very good for flipping an egg. A fork. I mean, you can do it, but you'll tear, tear it up depending on how you're Kind of The fork is made to take what's cooked and stick it in your mouth and feed yourself. But this isn't very good. A fork isn't very good to eat soup with. So to eat soup, you need a spoon. But a spoon isn't very good to cut steak. So to cut steak, you need a steak knife. A steak knife is good to cut steak and to cut meat, but it's not very good if you're trying to spread butter or you're dipping in Miracle Whip or mayonnaise or whatever. You can do it, but it's kind of harder. It's better to use a butter knife. And the whole point with this illustration is I wanted to use common everyday things that you're gonna use later today and throughout your life. Let it be a reminder to where that's how we are. We're all designed to be different for different functions and purposes, but we're all important. And what God wants us to do is to use those gifts so that his body can be fed. Oh, ba boom <laughs> And so that we can grow to be healthy and mature. Would you stand with me and we're, we're gonna close. I'm gonna have prayer, gonna have a song. You all have been great today. It's, it's nice to be able to speak and to actually see people. <laughs> um, and I just look forward to the day when uh, more and more we'll be able to gather together in greater numbers. And again, for those of you that are watching online and wanna be with us but can't, we're looking forward to that day. Lord Jesus, as we close our time out together, thank you for the reminder from your word of the enabling and empowering that you give us, not to be self-destructive, but to be a positive force in the world for your righteousness and for, for your good and for your glory and the good of those around us. So Lord, help us now to take what we've heard and help us to begin to fill our lives more and more with your righteousness so that we can push out the unrighteousness that tries to get into our life every day and that tries to surround us in the world, thank you that you are greater. Your righteousness is greater than the world's righteousness. And your spirit is greater than the spirit that is in the world. If there's any here today or any listening that haven't opened their life to you, I pray right now that you'll encourage them to just open their life to you and say, Jesus, come in. I believe, I believe you died for me. I want your Holy Spirit in my life. Forgive me, cleanse me, fill me, help me live for you. And for those of us who have done that, Lord, I pray that you'll encourage us and embolden us to know that we are making a difference as we're allowing your righteousness to come into our life that every prayer we pray every visit we make every call that we make every work that we try to do for your kingdom lord when we do it by faith you're blessing it and you're helping it to push back the darkness and the unrighteousness that's in the world so help us lord to persevere and we'll give you all the praise in your name